Welcome to the Morse Code Podcast, where we talk with entrepreneurially-minded creatives in music, film, and writing. My name is Corby, and I'm hoping these conversations inspire you to push deeper into your own work, whether you're a full-time professional or just curious about what it's actually like to live as an indie creative. I'm really excited to share this conversation with East Nashville-based singer-songwriter Jill Andrews. Jill really is the poster artist for the Morse Code podcast in the sense that she's grown and pivoted and evolved in a career now in its third decade. I've known Jill's work since she was singing and writing with the Everybody Fields, which was a Bonnaroo-level touring band. As a solo artist, she's written songs that have appeared in a bunch of TV shows like Nashville, This Is Us, Winona Earp, and more. In this conversation, we hit up on the under-discussed subject of the challenge of personal growth within the confines of a touring band. It's not easy. We also talk about what it was like for Jill to leave the Everybody Fields the height of their popularity. In addition to mothering two children, Jill is a prolific writer, so we crack that open and see how she manages to stay creative while keeping the kids fed. Finally, my favorite part, Jill plays three songs live in the studio, and I even get to join her. If you get something out of the Morse Code podcast, please like and subscribe and give us five stars on the old platform. All right, here's my conversation with Jill Andrews. Jill Andrews, thank you so much for making a little time for us over here. I know you're really busy. You're welcome. In general, you're really busy, but this is like a pretty busy week um, yeah. for everybody. I know this is going to air a little bit later from now, but now is um, Americana Week in Nashville. And it's been going on for, God, I want to say 20 years, but this week, this uh, conference with artists and industry people from all around the world that descend on Nashville and take over all the venues and you stay up late and play songs and meet new people. And it's very fun and very exhausting if you're not, uh, if you're not new to the game and I have with me a seasoned professional who is not new to the game. Not new. So you you know your way around this business one way or another. Mm -hmm. And, um, I want to talk to you about that. Um, and we didn't say this off camera, but I'll say it now, is that part of the uh, idea of this podcast is to kind of take a look at people who um, who are talented at playing and singing and writing songs, but who also have managed to kind of create a career for themselves sort of off the grid, like on their own terms and sustained it across time. Yeah. And you are like the poster child of that to oh, me. <laughs> I mean, you're killing it and you've been thanks. at this for a long time. And um, so there's a lot of ways that I think this conversation could go, but maybe we could start with a little, uh, an origin story a little bit, um, which is that I think that you're from normal Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? You think Bo- right. Like yeah. born and raised or just born? No. Well, born and raised a little. I, I, I was there until I was about six or seven, and then we moved to East Tennessee. Um, we, the whole family. Yeah. My, my dad was in college administration, so he worked at Illinois state university and then he got a new job at East Tennessee state. University. How old were you when you moved there? I think I was seven. Mm. So yeah. It wasn't probably too traumatic. You didn't have, no, it wasn't. I had, I had some good friends, um, you know, in my neighborhood and in old normal, mm-hmm. but, um, I learned how to ride a bike there. I peed on my bike one time. Well, when I was riding it there. Um, we lived across the street from a golf course. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't get to the bathroom quick enough. It yeah. didn't have anything to do with the golf course, but. Well, except <laughs> the distance that a golf course is. It's a long yeah. ways to bike. Exactly. <laughs> they don't want you biking through a golf course. Yeah, they, <laughs> no matter how bad you have to urinate. No matter, it's okay. I have to pee. <laughs> um, so... What I'm curious about, um, I'm always curious about this, but there's always, you know, something in some young person's life along the way that sort of clues them in that maybe this is something they want to do. And is there a formative experience or, you know, just some memory that you have where you're kind of like, oh, either from outside or inside? There were, I mean, there were so many along the way. Um, I think my very first experience being in front of people and singing was when I was in kindergarten and all the students got to choose like one letter of the alphabet to sing about. And I got to sing about the letter P. Um, and I remember 
I remember being on stage and it was like one of those old elevated wooden stages in a school gymnasium and the like big velvet curtains. And I just remember stepping out and singing into a microphone about pee. I'm well, talking about pee a lot on this appearance. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. This is how we've got a theme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so like the, the feeling, the anticipation and then the doing it and then yeah. the exhilaration. And, um, yeah. I remember it being very, very exciting for me, mm. you know? And did your parents... Um, was there praise involved or probably I don't remember it I'm sure there was my parents have always been super encouraging um and you're you're a fine guitar player now and did that start at a young age or no it didn't um I started I mean I guess young is relative but I started playing when I was 19 and it was just you know gcd um that's all you need. Really, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of all it is still, but <laughs> pretty pretty basic stuff. Um, but I I kind of developed more of like a finger-picking style a little bit later on. And it was actually when I was pregnant with my son, Nico, um, which was 14 years ago now because he is a teenager. Um, my fingernails were super strong because I was taking all those multivitamins. Um, and they were like... They were, I mean, they were unbreakable. They made a difference. Yeah. And so, and they would grow so fast. Mm. And so I just started strumming with my fingernails as opposed to a pick. And it Mm. felt so much more natural for me. Mm. And anyways, I just kind of developed my own thing with that, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Want to talk for a second about the everybody fields, because that's how I think I, when I first came to town, you were one of the, your, your band, that yeah. band yeah. of which you were a part. I won't say it's your band. Maybe it was, <laughs> uh, was like killing it and famous to me. And, um, how did that, like, I'm also as a, as a creature of bands in my own past, yeah. I had a band history and, mm-hmm. you know, a band that lasted four or five years. Yeah. And I have so many fond memories of that time. And also, zero desire to put myself through that again because it's just they're so special and they're so fragile and they're so exhausting yeah and there's nothing like a band Mm -hmm. um and um even like living here in nashville which i love it here and i love one of the things i love about it the most talented people the hungriest people live here they're really trying to do something special uh, fantastic but there aren't too many bands mm-hmm. and, and I understand why and that's neither here nor there for now but um, yeah I love I love bands but maybe you could talk for a second for my sake about how the everybody fields got started yeah um, well so it was it started as a, a trio um, mm-hmm. it was me Sam Quinn and David Ritchie and um, I met Sam when I was 19, when I was just learning how to play guitar. We were both camp counselors in the Smoky Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was immediately just like, who is that guy? Because he was just different than anyone I'd ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, he had long braids like this and he wore overalls. And I don't think he ever didn't wear overalls when I first met him. He was just really... Um, quiet and funny and super smart and um I just kind of tagged along like a little puppy for some reason um there was a magnetism there but I found out that we went to the same university we were both going to East Tennessee State and so we ended up like doing a lot of carpooling back and forth from Johnson City back to the camp so we got to know each other well and just started singing together a bunch you know Mm -hmm. camp is like it's just the best place to sing because everyone's singing. Everyone's playing yeah. like Light the Fire and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, so I was always singing with him and with other people. And and that's how, it. you know, I think when we first started singing, it just felt different and special. And yeah. you kind of just know sure. when something is cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's how that happened. And then... Um, it, you know, a couple, a few years later, I was hanging out with this guy named David Ritchie, who was an amazing bluegrass musician, still is. He played, um, he played a lot of dobro and guitar. He was a really good flat picker, um, and he had an amazing voice. And so he asked me to play a show with him one night, and I went and played this show. And Sam was there, and Sam like took me aside afterwards, and he was like, "Hey, why don't we start a band?" <laughs> so, and I was like, "Me and you?" And he's like, 
No, all of us. And I was like, okay. So yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much the origin story there for um, you. That when you were like 20, 19, mm. 20? I was um I think that was probably like 2003. So t- hold on. 22. 23. Yeah. Yeah, 23. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean th- th- that's a classic band story. It's it was like yeah. it came out organically. It wasn't yeah. um and I think that there's part of the people that I'm drawn to artistically that kind of have some version of that story. Mm. And one reason why um, I'm thinking out loud here, so this may or may not go, this may not, I might, I might not stick the landing. Um, but why people like on the, in the East Nashville community um, for one of the better, better designation, they kind of have a different um, genetic code than say the, the music row people mm-hmm. and there i have friends on both sides of the river but there's something like um like if you move to to belmont i'm talking about kyle here <laughs> what I say? Uh, you, you could lose your identity and i'm not saying you have my man but um, you have a little <laughs> i just but, met you but it's gone it's already gone <laughs> But there's something like this town Mm. puts together projects, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's this commercial angle and there always kind of is in, um, and maybe that's even in the, in the coffee at the meeting, the first time you meet somebody, it's like, how can we make this work? Whereas if you started off the grid in your own little weird town that happens that way, it happens at, at a camp where you're a counselor and you happen to start singing with somebody and it's not like, Oh my God, cool. Let's go get the, you know, play the open mic at the yeah. bluebird. It's like, Oh, we have two covers. We do. They're kind yeah. of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, I, th- I think that sets you off on a journey of your own, you know, in a yeah. way. And it can be a confusing journey. It's like, I didn't know there wasn't like a set trajectory, you know, it was just like, well, we sound good together, so whatever what whatever opportunities come up, we'll just say yes to. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was. Yeah, and you weren't exactly like destined for the top or like aiming for no. a thing. You were like, this is cool. It's, we wrote our first song together. Yeah. You know, like I, I imagine that was a milestone. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so how long did the band last? Did you guys, you even played like... Um, Bonnaroo, didn't you mm-hmm. at the time? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So you guys had a ride. And uh, was that like quick? Yeah, then- relatively quick. I mean, you know, I think in the, at the moment, it felt like it was a lifetime because it was a lot of my 20s that I was mm-hmm. on the road with that band. Um, and it was, I would say it was a relatively quick rise like when when i quit the band we were actually starting to make money you know like good money (laughs) um but it just wasn't it just wasn't right like Uh it it, um i um was pregnant with nico so that was 14 years ago um or longer i guess if you think about you know the gestation sure um (laughs) but um yeah, it just, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the best environment for me anymore. Uh, at that stage in my life, I was just like, it wasn't a healthy place for me to be. It was, sure. um, you know, we had, all, we had, we had a lot of beautiful, um, moments together and, um, we played well together and stuff like that, but kind of felt like to me, like we weren't really growing, uh-huh. you know, it's like, we didn't really write together anymore and we were just kind of like pissed off at each other a lot sure. <laughs> so i feel like that's a a, hit, a piece of history that every band faces mm-hmm. and makes it through it or not mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so hard to get it's so hard to grow up yeah and, and with a band because you really are like when you're in a band especially the well at the beginning you're committed to each other and you're like not you don't realize that you're committed because you're just having a, such a great time right and then there starts to be like little nudges from the outside world of being like you know maybe opportunities for this guy or this girl mm-hmm. and you start you maybe continue to make choices to know we're gonna we're in a band but those <laughs> those noises get louder and more frequent i don't know it's um it's really hard to negotiate all of that so did you when you quit um the, the everybody feels were you kind of like Maybe maybe that was music for me, and yeah. I'm off to something else. Yes, because I was also a new mom, mm-hmm. and I was just really kind of lost as far as I didn't. I've never been a great planner. <laughs> I've yeah. always just kind of like ridden the wave, um, 
And that's worked for me a lot in my life. But at times it's, I felt a little bit like I was just kind of floating on the sea, like aimlessly, you know? Um, and that was one of those periods of time I was living in Knoxville and, um, I, my job that I had, um, with the everybody fields was done. And so the skill set that I had developed at that point was music um, and I went to school for psychology. So I had like a, a little bit of, I worked in mental health for a little bit, um, before I joined the band. But, um, so I took that, the skill sets that I had and I taught guitar lessons and, um, I hung up show posters for, um, a concert promoter in town, mm-hmm. um, which didn't really require a college degree, (laughs) but, and it was really ironic because, um, it was for AC entertainment, which was like a huge promo company. They actually Mm -hmm. are the ones that, um, started Bonnaroo. I was going to say, I I remember Bonnaroo starting in Knoxville or. Yeah. And they, um, promoted shows at like all the big theaters in town, Tennessee theater and Bijou theater and all that. Mm -hmm. And those are the places that I used to play, you know, I used Mm -hmm. to play those places with the everybody fields. And here I am like hanging up other bands, show posters all around town, pushing my baby stroller (laughs) in the rain. And I was like, what Mm -hmm. is life? You know, there's some poetry there. Yeah. Bitter, bitter poetry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. And, um, I, luckily I had, Mm -hmm. I had some friends that kind of I I was sitting across the table one night and one of my friends looked at me and he was like, Hey, so what are you doing? (laughs) You know? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah. So are you just not playing music anymore? And I was like, I don't know. I don't. And he was like, I'm coming over next week and I'm bringing like a, a bass player and a guitar player and we're just going to sit in the kitchen and play. And I was Mm -hmm. like, cool. And that was like, literally how I started my solo career. Huh. I just needed those. I needed somebody to just kick me. Yeah, in the ass sure. A bit. Yeah. He's like, Hey, you're actually good at yeah. this and you're not done. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can under, I think anyone can understand that yeah. who has had a long journey and with a long journey of any kind, there's, uh, ups and downs and maybe hard stops, yeah. you know, and like a moment I, I had one of those, um, in, 2019 my little sister passed suddenly and i was like living 2000 miles away from where i grew up i see my parents twice a year i moved here you know and done that for 20 years and at some point you're just like what the hell am i doing with my life you know you get older and this your value your what's important changes a little bit and you start to want to be closer to home and you know similarly i was just like am i done playing music Mm -hmm. i'm like it's okay i'm okay it's okay if i'm done and um you know like whatever. We all have our spiritual versions of things, but I prayed about it and stuff and, um, really like gave up all gave, gave everything up, which is like, I will work at a coffee shop. I'll move back to Idaho, anything. Mm. And I had actually, wow. Americana Fest figures into this, but I had a gig here that had been booked. You know, they booked those things in spring or something. And so I had a reason that I probably needed to come back to Nashville. So I to honor that opportunity so i did and you know one thing led to another and it's like okay you're not done just yet yeah it's best i can perceive you know the message from the universe i might have completely gotten it wrong but Hmm. um you know in a similar way it's just like i don't think that any of us um put our blinders on and just charge through life and like i'm gonna be an artist maybe you do when you're young and stuff but yeah you know you get you grow up a little bit and i think there are things from the outside clues friends that are like hey you actually maybe should keep doing this you there's yeah. something about you um so i'm glad that happened to you yeah i i am too i mean it it made all the difference you know it's like <clears throat> there's so many identity crisis crises to have along the way sure. in your life. And I was just kind of having one yeah. <laughs> at, that, at that moment. So. And you, yeah, you didn't know how long it was going to last, but um, yeah. I'm, I, now I think of you as like prolific. Thank I mean, you. you were working your ass off and you just put out a record thirties. Um, this was, I want to say this was last year. Maybe it was 2020. <laughs> Feels like it. It, it was, was 2020. Oh, it was 2020. 2020. Okay, yeah. So. Hence the blur. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you just put out a new record, um, mm-hmm. Modern Age. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've <clears throat> listened to it more than I've listened to a lot of records lately. 
and nice. I really, really enjoy it. Thank and you. It's um, one of the things I enjoy about it. Uh, I mean, it's easy to like great production, and it's got that. Um, but the songwriting is so good. Thank and, you. Yeah, and it's you know, it's like about something. Yeah. Um, and it has a uh, a unique perspective. Mm, that's not even the way I want to put it. It's just it has a believable perspective. Mm. You know, um, for this batch of songs, how did you go about that? Are they solo rights are they co-writes all they're a mixture of both um i feel like most of my records are a mixture of a little bit of co-write a little bit of solo right but um yeah i um this kind of the idea behind this record started when i went back to east tennessee um and i went back by myself because one of my friends had passed away and i went and sang at her memorial service mm. um and you know, when you're always surrounded by people, it's hard to, um, for me, I'm always surrounded by people because I have a family, you know, and mm-hmm. um, it's hard for me to like sit and kind of let memories wash over me. But I was by myself and I had the opportunity to just like drive through my old neighborhood and uh, drive by my high school and just like kind of just walk around, you know, and, and remember things. Mm-hmm. And um, normally I'm a pretty present or and future-minded person. I don't really think too much about the past. Um, at least not like having kind of a full body experience with it, you know. Um, so I just, I think just walking around my neighborhood, I just kept thinking about all, all these incredible moments that I had with people, um, you know, just like, playing kick the can with my neighborhood friends we in the summers that's kind of all we did and we'd like put we'd put like we'd steal beer and like put it (laughs) put it in our backpacks and like (laughs) you know it wasn't it wasn't all innocent but it was so fun it was so fun yeah um so yeah i that's kind of where the idea of the album came um, just kind of looking back on some of those really amazing memories, um, mm. and just how life is, it's, com- it's complicated when you're an adult, you know, yeah. it's like things become so much more complex and so much more troublesome, you know, cause you have a lot more on your shoulders. And for me, I have two kids to like keep alive and, and help thrive, you know? Mm. <laughs> so, um, but I just, um, one of my favorite things as a kid and still to this day is, is hanging out with people that make me laugh until I like fall over. Mm -hmm. And I had so many friends like that. And so anyways, there's, yeah, there's some songs about those kind of relationships, you know? Yeah. It's, there's a nostalgic looking, looking back and, um, that, that, um, your song high fives on that record that it's such a sweet little turn of phrase because um, it's not about like the high fives you gave your friends. It's the missed high fives. Yeah. It's so funny. Like that's so specific. And- well, it is so specific. And I had, you know, I had a friend where that's what we would do just to be so dumb. Like we would just walk up to each other and give each other a high five, but we would purposely miss just because it, it would make us laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, that figured into a song 20 years later that made yeah. complete stranger laugh. Too. Yeah, good, so, good. Done. Yeah. Uh, maybe we could play one right now. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Blank tape in my boombox Only a matter of time Finger on the red button Waiting for the intro of Strawberry she sang it for me My first love left me around that time After school I'd call Lisa Still know her number by heart Ride my bike up to see her Princess Peach playing Mario Kart Don't worry, Mama When the streetlights come on 
We did a good job there. Was, okay. <laughs> um, okay, so when you, I, I'm just shocked that you have any time to write songs and be a mom to two kids. I, this is a marvel that, you know, a dad has a version of that, but it's not, and I'm not a dad yet for full disclosure, um, but it's still not, a mom is never done. And so I can imagine it for like a co-write because those have a little bit of structure. You'd set it up in advance. You're like, we're going to yeah. write a song. This is mom's job. But for a solo, right? How do you, how do you find that time to kind of steal away and like have a, a boundary? Well, um, I, I think it is all about stealing away, but it's, it's kind of when other people are occupied is when I, you mm. know, I don't ever go, okay, guys, I'm going to go write. So leave me alone. Yeah. I don't ever do that. Cause that doesn't work for me. Sure. Cause they're not going to leave me alone <laughs> probably <laughs> for the main reason. And also kind of hearing the chatter of them in the background is sometimes inspiring in a weird way. I don't mm. know. I've definitely written several songs with them kind of just being like in the next room over. Huh. Um, and I'm just in the dining room, like strumming my guitar and, you know, with my voice recorder on. And then they'll come in and be like, hey, mom, can I have some orange juice? And I'm like, yeah, give me just a minute, okay? And then I'll just like, you know, work on this idea for another minute. I'll go get some orange juice and I'll come back. And, you know, it'll be like a little bit more... Um, 
clear in my mind what uh-huh. my next move is. Yeah, there's probably like <clears throat> a helpful organic process to that, like to step yeah. away for one minute because you would never do that. Yeah, yeah, there is. And I think for me, the biggest thing is just as many, you know, if I can just sit down and have several moments of just like ideas that I record, I can always come back to them when I have time, mm-hmm. you know, um, when I'm in, when I'm by myself, when they're at school or like, yeah. So just kind of coming back and weeding through those and going, eh, that wasn't good. Or yeah, I could, I could do something with that. Um, did you work with the same producer on the last couple of records? Yeah. Um, Lucas Morton. I worked with him on modern age and on thirties. Mm-hmm. And does that collaboration, is that a process where you kind of bring the songs to him and does he do a lot of the production without you there? You come in and sing or you, are you there for all of the arrangements? And- um, I would say I'm there for a lot of it. I mean, however, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff like editing and sure. and stuff that he's doing that I'm not a part of, but, um, yeah. So, um, Lucas is amazing. He's, um, young and that's sometimes confusing because <laughs> he's just like an old soul. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's, um, he and I are really close friends. And so just working together makes a lot of sense. So for thirties, um, he was actually working in my basement cause I, he had a studio in my basement for a while. Mm. And, um, so I would just kind of roll out of bed, you know, get a cup of coffee and go down there and he'd already be down there and we'd just be working on stuff. So it was, that was a great pandemic. Oh style yeah. Of yes. Production. But it was before the pandemic. Mm. It was like, my album came out like right before the pandemic so good um who could have planned that but um yeah so you know and with uh with modern age we had a whole band you know that I hired but a lot of them were people that he knew and kind of respected and so Mm. yeah um I've never really asked artists about their production experience and stuff like this so uh, I don't know what I'm doing full disclosure um (laughs) But I am interested in that, like the difference between overdubbing tracks, built, kind of constructing a record versus like playing live in a room. Yeah. And if I had my druthers, uh, it, I like the band version live in a room deal because it's a lot sure. more exchangey, but it's not always possible. Um, yeah, it's expensive. Expensive. Yeah. yeah. I'm still paying for my re- last record because that's so, the way I did it. So am I for my last several, probably. Genius. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. We're on our way. Yeah. Um, well, okay. This is, uh, you, uh, I'm curious about this too, because you have a, a good team around you or yeah. um, at least one person. I know Aaron, uh, your manager. Mm-hmm. And she seems to be, I don't know her at all. I've never met her. Um, but judging by appearances and yeah. like how uh, much out there you are and how you seem to just really have your stuff down. Mm-hmm. I say that she's quite a find and um, really on her game. Yeah. And how did that relationship happen? Yeah, that relationship. Um, I think she heard about me from a few, you know, people that I knew and mm-hmm. we met together and just, you know, talked a little bit and, um, decided that it would be a good thing to work together. And we've been working together since 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, full disclosure, we are going to be like, we're working together until January 1st mm-hmm. of 2024. And then I'm going to find a new manager mm-hmm. just kind of, uh, we felt collectively we just felt like it was time for me to move on Mm -hmm. um to i don't know someone who can like skyrocket me uh because that's what i'm that's what i've been really pushing for for a while and uh how do you get there i don't know Mm -hmm. but um that's what i'm that's what i'm looking to do what um can you is there anything specific that you could say? And I'm not pressing you. I'm just curious. Um, is it like, you know, plays on Spotify? Is it mm. like rooms? Is it? I think for me, um, and I, it's taken me so long for me to actually um, articulate this in my own brain, because as I've already told you, I'm more of a, a f- like I go with the flow sort yeah. of person. And like, 
the big goals for me have always been kind of out there in space. You know, I don't know exactly what they are, but this would be cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think for me, um, I would really like my career to be like working all together in concert, um, in a really, um, in a really productive way. So it's like, I guess for a while I've been feeling like, you know, I'm doing really well with streams, which is awesome, but I'm not doing very well with touring, you know, mm-hmm. cause I haven't been on the road as much as I want to be this year or whatever. And so for me, it's just kind of like getting all those things going and just like ramping them up, mm-hmm. um, all together and just, um, yeah, just like getting people's actual butts and seats to come see me play, yeah, you know, sure. and that's, it's really hard because, um, I mean, gosh, there's so many amazing musicians out there doing exactly what I'm doing. And there's, you know, there's people have so many other things they want to be doing on a nightly basis. There's so much competition for, for every avenue of art. Um, and, uh, I always feel really grateful when people come, you know, when they pay their money and come see me play. 100%. But yeah, I mean, after the pandemic, it's been tricky, like getting people to come out. I think people are just a little bit more, I don't know, like more comfy at home, used to watching television. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely a piece of that. Yeah. There's there's also just something I feel like the trajectory of culture is just like, as you want it, you have it whenever you want it. Right. And that trains people to not want to take chances yeah Um, yeah and when you've got a sure thing or yeah or more of a sure thing or you can watch the barbie movie and know that you'll have something to talk about with a lot of people sure yeah Um, i share your desire to put butts in seats Mm -hmm. and and that comes out of just like the sheer joy of live performance absolutely there's nothing really better yeah i mean gosh during the pandemic it's like all i wanted was to be playing in front of people Mm -hmm. you know and i was playing in front of a computer screen Mm -hmm. like so many of us were trying to just like still be there be like hey i'm still doing this i'm and and a lot of it is just to reassure your own self that you're still doing it you know um and so coming out of the pandemic um as we are hopefully doing still um yeah I'll, that's all i wanted you know is to go out and just play for tons of people and it's still i mean people are coming but they're trickling in slowly yeah you know well and you did so, um i remember it was maybe summer of that of that year you did a like a backyard mm-hmm, tour mm-hmm. and i thought that was um assertive and and um i went i wondered how it went like it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So during the pandemic, um, I wasn't sure what to do like many other people. Um, and we actually, my family and I bought an RV, which was quite the investment. <laughs> did, you, did you, do you still have it? No, no. Nice. We offloaded that financial <laughs> burden, but yeah, we, so we bought an RV and I, I booked a, an entire like U.S house show tour and they were all outdoor house shows in people's backyards. We went all the way to Washington state, um, all the way, all the way to Massachusetts. Um, we played in like Texas and it was, it was really, really cool. And I got to travel with my family, um, visit a bunch of national parks and we were very serious about wearing masks. We just, cause we had to be, I didn't want to harm anyone i didn't want my kids to be harmed i just was like if we're doing this we're doing it like Mm. very seriously and we did and it it went really well and yeah um i mean bravo for making that work and also probably at that point too um people were I think maybe there's there's less of a live music starvation than there was right yeah. then. Like in the middle of that summer of that year, it's just like people are like, oh my God, I've just been yeah. home for so long or something. Yeah, and people felt, you know, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people felt comfortable going to someone's backyard, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and it was a safe step. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people peed in the grass, you know? <laughs> Here we are again talking about pee. <laughs> Third appearance. Um, yeah. 
But also, do you? I think this. Uh, I hazard a guess to say this has been. Well, this has been my experience, but the fans that I have in my career um, are almost exclusively from live shows. Yeah. And there's just no substitute for that experience because mm-hmm. it's a unique experience. It's mm-hmm. the, it's, and it's theirs alone. It's yours as well. But um, there's, you know, like obviously when you're during the doing the live stream thing on the other side of the screen, it's you're just like another TV channel yeah. in, in many. And um, it really doesn't have that same impact. And so um, I, yeah, I really, I'm hopeful in the future for all of, um, the, us artists in our touring efforts and, and for like this community of humans that we're part of that people will continue to go out and yeah. take a chance because it is so special and it's so special. And, and also for the future of live music too. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing like being in the room, watching something happen live, Yeah, you know, I mean, who knows what could happen? Like yeah. a guitar string could break. It could like you know, land in my eye and my eye could fall out. Like you just never know. I mean, you know, you don't one time, for instance, one time when I was in the everybody fields, we were playing at this really awesome venue called the gray Eagle in Asheville. Mm -hmm. And, um, this guy, I saw him, I was in the middle of one of our very slow, sad songs on stage. This guy locked eyes with me in the audience and he started walking towards me. And I was like, "Is what's this guy gonna do? And he walked all the way up to me. I'm on stage elevated and he climbs on stage, eyes still locked at me, walks straight towards me and then makes a beeline this way. And there's all these stacks of chairs on the side of the stage and he just starts climbing them. (laughs) (laughs) And then all of the chairs fall on him. He falls off stage and I'm still just like singing this super sad song. (laughs) Like I feel, I feel as if I've averted my own death somehow. Yeah. And, um, and he was carried out of there, but like you would never have been. You, you would have. And he was carried out of there. He was carried anyway. out of there. No big deal. But you would never, never see something like that. Yeah. Um, unless you go watch live music, no. you know, because it's like you could, no one, I, I hear people tell me that same, like their version of that story years later because they were there. Yeah. And it's insane. It's a life memory. It's insane. It's yeah. Like, it's like the more, the smaller and the weirder the venue that you go to, the <laughs> yeah. higher the likelihood of seeing something yeah. memorable. Yeah. You know, it's like when you go to the Bridgestone to see a big show, it's like, it'll be beautiful and you'll know all the songs and make a memory and have a, a selfie and but yeah. probably nothing really crazy will happen. I just had the best idea. Like okay. what if I just start hiring, like I pay some dude like 20 bucks to just like be a plant be in the audience yeah. <laughs> and they just, I just pay them to do something really weird, but I have to like, it has to be really specific so that no one's arrested, especially me. Yeah. You know, totally. you'd have to mix it up too. So, you know, yeah, I'll the- work on that. No, stay tuned, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe it'll have to do with urine, urination. I mean, it seems only right. Fourth appearance. At least for one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Fourth appearance. <laughs> um, maybe we can play another song. It yeah. It seems like a nice thing to do. <laughs> Such good segue. <laughs> it's a professional outfit, this one, you know. Silver. 
I love that song. Thank you. And um, what I love about it is it's got a really, um, it's kind of a, um, a message to a certain choice of lifestyle. It's and it, it's not like to say it's preachy or anything, but it just points out like, hey, on some level, we're in charge of our own happiness. Yeah. And this is the kind of a cautionary, not a cautionary tale, but like uh, um, this idea that, you know, it, it if it's not going the way you want it to go, it doesn't have to be that way. Maybe. Yeah. Am I, get, get, am I projecting too much on that song? No. I mean, I think, you know, it's kind of just from an, an observation standpoint. Um, I wasn't trying to be preachy. I can be a little preachy probably about stuff like that. Uh, who can't? <laughs> you know, you see somebody with like, they've got it all. They've got like the, the car, the house, the kids, yeah. the pet. The hypoallergenic dog, mm. you know, and it's like, and then they're just pissed off all the time. It's mm -hmm. like, what are you? Why? Yeah. You know, there's so much to be happy about. Yeah. Um, you're, you are kind of, um, what am I, a contradiction <clears throat> a little bit because you claim to always sort of be your tendency is to go with the flow. Yeah. But you are also like, you're pretty, um, you're aiming at something here. Yeah. How do yeah. you square those two mindsets? Yeah. That is a good question. I think that, um, I think over the past few years, I've really, um, I think I've really like focused in on, on like very serious goals, mm. um, and kind of honing in my short term goals for, to reach my long term goals. Um, and I think I've just, over the past few years, been able to take myself more seriously mm. um, as an artist and and stand up for myself more. Mm. I think for the longest time, I was kind of just like, um, I don't know, just like, yeah, whatever, this is what I do. I'm, I'm pretty good at it, you know? And mm -hmm. now I'm like, no, damn it. I'm good at this. I've been doing it forever and I want people to listen, you mm -hmm. know, and not like in an aggressive way or anything, but I mean a little bit aggressive, but like, you know, I just, I guess I just have been feeling like, um, yeah, like uh, settling isn't enough anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I want to, I don't feel good about settling for things. I want to just keep reaching and reaching for what I've been working for so mm -hmm. hard, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like when you go out on the road, um, or when you do, when you work so hard at writing a song or whatever it is for me, I have a lot on the line as a lot of people do, because I have a family, you know, I have mm -hmm. a family that I'm like, um, responsible for in a lot of ways. And so when I go out on the road, it has to be worth it. You know, sure. I have to come home with money that I made. Yeah. Um, and so there's pressure, you know, and that pressure is pressureful, but it's, it's also, pressureful. but it's also like really motivating. Sure. Um, so yeah. Um, and are you still focused on commercial venues like trad venues or are you playing house shows out there yeah kind of i'm i'm focusing on like commercial venues mostly uh -huh. you know i have a an awesome booking agent who's like getting me in a lot of really great rooms and things like that um i do i do some private shows like private house shows and just you know 
call me, you know, whatever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> whatever. Um, I'll, it just depends on schedule and stuff, but yeah. well, the, the private house shows are nice because, um, yeah. you don't have to promote them exactly. And they're, yeah. and they're also nice from, uh, from a performance perspective, it's intimate. And, yeah. um, but, uh, I noticed that like, I'm a pretty, you know, my songs aren't super loud and they're, you know, I'm a bit crafty. I appreciate crafted songwriting. Yeah. And, um, I'm also like, I like, I know, I noticed that I really like people like the, we, I just like every single person is kind of a weirdo. Mm -hmm. They really are. And if you give them a second to like show they're weird and it doesn't take very long if you pay any attention at all. And I think that's drawn, drawn me to smaller or like I fit there. I fit in these mm. like weird places where you might play a show and afterwards, um, hang out with the person, uh, and have three whiskeys too many with a grandpa, you know, mm -hmm. just like some random event. Um, yeah. And then wake up and have breakfast with them and go on and do it all over again. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that I've had a career like that partly because I just like that kind of the adventure of it is I like it or not. It's so attractive to me. I oh, think yeah. I, I draw it draws me to that those places rather than um, when I play clubs. You go up to New York and play like Rockwood or something. Um, you know, it's I'm like stressed about it. I'm trying to get people to come to the show. I want the yeah. club owner to be happy. I want, sure. you know, when I have have had teams around me, I'm like want their they, they need their percentage. I'm working for them, mm -hmm. and it's just like it's so stressful. Yeah. And then the experience is just like me being on a stage with a mic and playing my show. And I try, you know, try to be personable. But all that weird extra color isn't there. The, mm. All the offstage stuff. Yeah, yeah, happens. yeah. Like you didn't just eat like somebody, somebody's great aunt's casserole before you. Yeah, yeah. Before exactly. you hopped on stage. Yeah, at the club, you know, Gray Eagle aside, most of the time the guy doesn't, you know, make eye contact and climb the stack <laughs> tower of chairs. Uh, right. Next offstage. So um, maybe next time. Yeah, and I just noticed that like bands, the bigger the band gets, then the safer the experience gets, mm -hmm. and then the less of an adventure, and then it is. Yeah. Kind of a job and that's fine because i get it we're all you know we're all trying to make money and pay a mortgage and, mm -hmm. but um joe let's play one more song and maybe we can just play out yeah, and, yeah uh do you want to set this one up yeah um this last song is called boundless love mm -hmm. and um it's just about my my love for nature um i have always really loved being in the woods and hiking and um, spending time with people out in nature and like really, um, honing in on the little tiny details that are kind of underfoot at all times. Um, may I ask is, did you write this one by yourself? Or? Um, I wrote this one with Trent Dabbs oh. like several years ago, actually. Huh. And it was not, it, it's just been sitting on the shelf and it wasn't done. We wrote the verses and the chorus, um, but it, it felt like it still needed more. And so as I was preparing for releasing this record or preparing for recording this record, um, I just kind of pulled this one back up and I wrote the bridge and I was like, I really like the song, you know, it, um, and so I played it for Lucas, the producer and, um, he felt like it would be an amazing, like last song on the record. It kind of just ties everything together. I think he's right. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. Thank you so much thank for you. being part of this little yeah, podcast. Yeah, thank you, Corby. It's so fun. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You ready for this? Yeah. You ready for this shit? <laughs> <clears throat> child of the flowers and the trees when I look up to the sky I'm at peace in the quiet I hear everything everything I need surrounds us all around us is boundless love surrounds is bad. 
child of the rolling stream It's wild, wild company In the air a thousand spinning leaves I hear them fall to me Surrounds us, all around us You are a child of these, child of falling, spinning leaves. You are a child of these, child of wild, rolling streams. You are a child of these, child of skies, child of seas. The Morse Code Podcast is produced by Corby Lanker and Kyle Noctegall in East Nashville, Tennessee. Our executive producer is Randa Newman. You can find full video of this and all past episodes by visiting morsecodepodcast.com.